Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss the year of 1999 in film. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. And today we're going to change pace and we're going to talk about 1999, the entire year of film. It's probably the best year of all time in terms of all the movies that came out in 1999. And I think it's going to be fun to just talk about the entire year. Yeah, and there are some years in like the 70s where some of the greatest films ever made came out in the same year. But for 1999... It's really absurd the number of great movies that came out and then the number of really good movies that came out. Like this, we made a list of what we think are, I think it's 70 movies or so. And it's just hard to believe that all these movies came out in one year. Um, and so we're going to go over the list because we, we think it is the probably the best year ever in the history of movies. Yeah, and I mean, 1994 is another great year. I'm sure we'll talk about that year someday, but I think no year really competes. I mean, like, I think 2017 was pretty close to that was an exceptional year as well. 2017 was good. 90, 1978 was good. 2014. Yeah, 76. There was a couple of years in the 80s that were great, but I think ni- I think 1999 just stands out because, like you said, the number of them. It's, an, it's ridiculous. There's like we have a list of 70 that we made and like 50 of them are good. If we had been if we were adults in 99 and we're going to the movies like we do now, we would have spent like $1000 on movie tickets. AMC Stubbs A list, let's oh, yeah. go. We just got the AMC Stubbs and it's you could see three movies in one week for $20 a month. Going to the moon play. It's crazy. Going to the moon. Oh, yeah. let's James, James is a I'm co-founder a, of AMC. Not a co-founder, but I'm a partner <laughs> of the company. He owns so, some shares. So every time we go to AMC, I I'd make sure that the floors are clean, the outside looks okay, the the the, the shrubs are, are cleaned up nice and well. Although you got cut in line last time. I we did went. get cut in line. Oh, that was that was the other day. We went with our our passes, our stubs pass. It's on your phone, and so the guy checked Anthony's thing, and then he's about to scan mine, and then three people with physical tickets comes up and try to walk past him. He's like, "Excuse me, everybody, uh, you need to show me your tickets." And so he let them all cut in front of me <laughs> while I was holding my phone out to get scanned. Like he took the scanner out and then just pulled it away. And took these other three people, and then he looks at me, he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that, sir, and I just didn't even respond. I, li- I walked I, in. I literally said out loud, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an investor. <laughs> these kids are not investing. And then right after we left the clerk station, I said, does he know who you are? I know. <laughs> How dare he? You have 14 shares of AMC. Uh, 47, actually. Whoa. Come on, 14. Whoa, I didn't know I was dealing with such a hot shot. 40, I'm up like 400%. It's wow. a good. It's been a good couple months. Anyways, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about my portfolio portfolio anymore and let's dive into the year 1999 but before we continue the best way to support raiders of the lost podcast is to share it with your family and friends and become a patron at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast patrons get perks like personalized videos you get to see our podcast schedules for upcoming episodes so you can be prepared for each one top tier patrons get a monthly shout out on the podcast and the best perk of all is every single patron has access to our bonus content in our bonus episodes which post every single wednesday head on over to our website Raiders of the Lost Podcast.com to get all of our links and content. Follow, subscribe, hit the notification bell wherever you're tuning in. Thanks so much for listening around the world. Let's dive in. Now, before we get to the list, I want to talk about the awards for 99. So, obviously, some really incredible films came out, but the year of 99 was really dominated by American Beauty. So, American Beauty won Best Picture, 
It won Best Director for Sam Mendes, and it won Best Actor for Kevin Spacey, also Cinematography, and then Screenwriting for Alan Ball, also won the Academy Awards. And then the Best Actress for 99 was Hilary Swank for her brilliant uh, portrayal in Boys Don't Cry, and that was her big breakout movie. So it was a great year for um, critically acclaimed films as well, but it was the year of American Beauty. Yeah, and then for documentaries, we have One Day in September 1. Best documentary short was King Gimp. The Matrix was sound of best effects, so visual effects was The Matrix. And then also sound effects, best film editing was The Matrix. Matrix should have won best picture. Best honestly. foreign language film was All About My Mother, which we will talk about later on. Topsy Turvy won best makeup. Best original score was The Red Violin by John Corleano. Corleano, yeah, I said that right. Sam Jackson stars in that movie. Best original song was You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins for Tarzan. <laughs> and the other best picture nominations were The Green Mile. The Cider House Rules, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. And for Best Short Animated, we had The Old Man and the Sea, Best Short Film, My Mother Dreams, The Satan's Disciples in New York, and Best Sound, The Matrix, and yeah, oh, and Best Screenplay Based on Previously Produced or Published Material was The Cider House Rules. And then for Box Office, it was a huge year for Box Office, so Star Wars The Phantom Menace grossed over a billion dollars worldwide, and then The Sixth Sense was in second place with $672 million. Toy Story 2 came out and grossed half a billion. The Matrix uh, grossed $465 million. And then Tarzan was number five, the animated film with $448 million. So lots of huge box office numbers. And The Mummy was in sixth place as well. And I missed the other actors and actresses. So best actor in a supporting role was Michael Caine for The Cider House Rules, which we talked about how he couldn't attend the Oscars because he was filming Jaws 4. <laughs> oh yeah, biggest and mistake then, of his life. And then Angie, right? Yeah, Angelina Jolie won Best Supporting Actress for Girl Interrupted, and then Hilary Swank won her first Oscar for lead role. Oh, sorry for Boys Don't Cry. Uh, uh, move on, bad. let's move on. So I only listen to about a quarter of the things that come out of your mouth. I think our fans know that by now. And too. Be- did you say Best Cinematography was also? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Best Art Direction was Sleepy Hollow. And yeah, cool. Let's move on. So let's go through the list. This isn't like the best movies to worst movies. It's just a giant list of the films. But I think we put some of our favorites at the top. Mm -hmm. And the first one was The Matrix, which we've done an episode on the trilogy. The Matrix 4 is coming out. And The Matrix in general is both of ours in our top five all-time favorite films. It's one of the most groundbreaking movies to ever come out in the way it changed cinema and visual effects and the Wachowski sisters. What an amazing vision they had for this film. I remember this seeing this film clearly, and we were just kids, but one of our older brothers took us, and I remember just being absolutely blown away by seeing something completely new and something completely mind-bending. And I still, to this day, there are a few movie theater experiences you remember so clearly as a kid, and The Matrix is the top of the mountain for me. Yeah, that changed the game. Everyone tried to make The Matrix after that. It's a franchise that's still going. I mean, we have The Matrix 4 coming out in December, and we can't be more excited. The trailer just dropped. We did a reaction to the trailer, and I'm so curious where they're gonna, where she's going to go with the story, story because it's just Lana doing it. I'm very enticed. I'm very enticed. And the second film that came out, and again, this is not in order, this is just our list, was Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, which is a really great epic ensemble film. This was at the stage in PTA's career where he was writing big character pieces with a large cast, intersecting storylines, interweaving plots, and this is just brilliant writing. He got nominated for Best Screenplay in this film. Um, I don't think he got anything else besides that, but he did a tremendous job directing. And you can tell with this film, and especially with Boogie Nights, 
his influence, the influence that Robert Altman, the filmmaker from the 70s, 80s, and 90s had on him in terms of the the scale of the ensemble. And this was just a fantastic movie. Yeah, some great, great performances in this. I mean, Tom Cruise is phenomenal. He has one of the best cry scenes I've ever seen in a movie before when he's on the on the bed and then on the side of the bed. And then John C. Riley's on the corner of the bed. The corner side of the bed where <laughs> the duvet is. The corner of the edge of the so bed. So it's, it's, it's stage right on the bed. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> Even John C. Riley gives a terrific performance in this because I think people Why are you surprised by that. No, <laughs> let me finish the sentence. Most people assume they people relate John C. Riley with like stepbrothers and the silly comedies he does, but they forget that he's been in some fantastic movies working with Paul Thomas Anderson and Scorsese. So I think people forget how talented he is, and he, he's terrific in that movie. And then we have The Mummy, which we just did an episode on with National Treasure. And The, the Mummy which we talked about in that episode, is probably one of the greatest adventure films of the 21st century or close on the cusp of the 21st century like that in Pirates of the Caribbean. Those are the, probably the closest films that harken back to what Steven Spielberg was able to do with the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Indiana Jones franchise. I think that in, when I was a kid, I think this was my favorite movie that year that we oh, saw. Oh, sure. It was so much fun. It was scary. The special effects were awesome. Brendan Fraser was like the ultimate hero and I had a big crush on Rachel Weisz when I was a kid. And I just think for the for me the experience of the mummy was just the epitome of what a theater film can do and the matrix was a bit complicated for eight nine-year-olds to fully grasp I we think. walked home and tried to explain it to mom but we weren't making yeah any we, sense. i don't think we knew what we were talking about <laughs> i don't even think our brothers knew the first time they yeah, saw it. no way but we watched it a few times on rental from blockbuster at uh vhs at, at blockbuster <laughs> from blockbuster yeah we watched it at blockbuster with the guy who works there come on behind the counter we'll watch the matrix <laughs> this is the special cut phil oh, lets this... us behind the counter wow we're already silly tonight <laughs> next up we have like i mentioned earlier the oscar-winning american beauty and this film took the industry by storm that year it was it's a really incredible film fantastic screenplay by alan ball i think it's one of the best scripts in recent memory, and it has a lot. I feel I think it has a, a kinship to Fight Club, in terms of the story. This wayward, disillusioned man who has lost his identity, and he's trying to, and he kind of completely revolutionizes his life to find new meaning in it. Yeah, Kevin Spacey's a super creepy, weird dude. He's done terrible <laughs> things in his past, but I mean, the performance he gives in this movie is sensational. That's, yeah. I mean, you can't say you can't deny that, you know. And that betting as well. And what I love about American Beauty is that. Alan Ball and Sam Mendes put this thing in that you never really see before in movies, but now it's like something everyone does is like when you're driving in a car by yourself with the windows up and there's a song that you hear that you love, you belt it out. Yeah. And that they do both Annette Bedding and Kevin Spacey do that in different moments of this film. Plus, I love like the concept of your neighbors in your neighborhood and you're all like kind of spying on each other or you're in each other's business up and just bothering each other or just trying to figure out what they're doing across the street. And I think it was a really, really realistic in that sense. Definitely. Then we have Toy Story 2, another hit from Pixar, and it's Toy Story 2. It's a sequel to one of the greatest animated films of all time, arguably the best. And what Pixar does is they make they don't miss like we always talk about, and the sequel has everything we always want from a sequel. It's got more, it's funnier, better animation, and it's just improved on the original. I, I will say I think Toy Story 2 is the weakest of the Toy Stories, mm -hmm. but it's still a great movie. And I'm not saying it's the best, I'm just saying You that said it improved. On No, I said it does what we want sequels to do. <laughs> I'm kidding. But you said improve. Do you want to fight? We're not. We're only on five. We're already. We're already getting <laughs> we're angsty, getting man. Heated. Oh man. No, but but Toy Story two. I'm it, sweating it, already. It added new characters. You get Jesse and and the Tony and 
you know. <laughs> the, the, the villain's funny in it. I can't remember his name, but the, the villain from the TV shows in it. Are you sure you host a movie Buzz- podcast? <laughs> it's Toy Story 2. I haven't seen it in 30 years. It didn't even come out 30 years ago. <laughs> it came out in 99. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> we have The Blair Witch Project, which was a massive success. I think the budget for this movie was 100K around there. It looks like it was about five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie made over $40 million and it's a domestic run. And it was word of mouth sensation. I remember the trailer. What worked for this movie was the trailer made it seem like it was a real thing. And people, because a, docu- a documentary style found footage movie hadn't really been shown to mainstream audiences in America, we didn't. We had no experience or exposure to it. So... When you saw the trailer, you're like, is this a real story? So everyone was talking about, have you seen the trailer for that Blair Witch movie? Is yeah. that, did that really happen? So I think people were so enticed by the idea that it really happened that it got them to the theaters. Yeah, it was before YouTube, really. It was before Vine and before TikTok where, like, viral videos didn't weren't a thing. But, like, the viral nature of the trailers that you're talking about created a sensation across the country. Word and, of mouth. And yeah. I think that before... Before Paranormal Activity, this was the largest return on investment in a film, or as top yeah. three in terms of what they put into it and, and compared to what they got out. Not the total box office, but again, return on your investment on the project. 100%. And I watched this movie for, we saw this with our family, but then I, I think I watched it by myself when I was home alone, which was a huge mistake when I was like 10. <laughs> and I, it was like, it was weird because it was the only time I've ever been home alone because we and have- And chose this movie. We have 36 people in our family. <laughs> and I don't know why I did it. And I was terrified and I didn't sleep for about a week man that's scary we had a big house it was mo- it was scary such a creepy movie and yeah. it feels real because it, nothing like this didn't exist before it's terrifying as a kid for yeah. sure but i mean snopes would fact check it real quick if it was snopes a- <laughs> oh yeah you don't get <laughs> anyways moving on to the hurricane and this stars denzel washington as robin hurricane carter and he was a boxer who was wrongly imprisoned for murder and He's, if you know that Bob Dylan song, it's a, it's a story of the hurricane. It's about this man's life. Yeah, and so trying to prove his innocence. And Denzel gives an incredible performance. And I think because his career is just stacked with great performances in movies, that this kind of gets lost in that shuffle. You could kind you could definitely say that he could have won it over uh, Kevin Spacey for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. He's really good in this He's movie. He's sensational in this movie. And I think that uh, actors are always drawn to the idea of playing a boxer at least once in their career. It's like a definitely something that I think they all want to put on their mantle yeah and it's such a, an, a unique job such a profession of being a professional fighter it's such an interesting character and he just knocked this one out of the park yeah of all sports films it seems yeah. like boxing are always the best stories and this but this one in particular is not centered around boxing in particular it's centered around this man's life and what he went through in prison yeah it's probably because it has to be an individualistic story rather than like a baseball team or a football team where you have mm-hmm. tons of characters who are focusing on one individual and that's why like million dollar baby rocky these that's are some exactly of the best right. movies ever made exactly right all right, I'm just moving on to The Talented Mr. Ripley. Which we love. Now, Anthony Mangella directed this film, and you and I, we adore this movie. We've seen, It's on Netflix, and we've seen it many times. A dozen times. We just, we'll just put it on, and watch, it's I, it, I, what it, I, it's one of the most rewatchable movies I think ever made. And I obviously, it got acclaim when it came out, but I don't think it got the right amount of acclaim. I think, it, I think it's probably the best movie that came out that year and probably deserved the Best Picture Award and probably deserved better than Fight Club and the Matrix for awards. Okay, for awards for the Academy Awards. But this it's a beautiful movie. It's engrossing. the The cast is unbelievable. Uh, the directing is perfect. I love the European setting. 
the music, everything about this movie. I just love it so much, and it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, we talked about it in our Serial Killers episode, which was like a year ago, but Patricia Highsmith is one of my all-time favorite authors, and I've read a lot of her books, and she does the whole entire Ripley series, The Strangers on a Train, so she's a fantastic writer, and I think this version of The Talented Mr. Ripley, there's a version, I think, in the 70s. I think this one, it really captured the essence of the book and like the character of Tom Ripley. It's different. There isn't like the jazz stuff is not in the book, but the director changed it to modernize it a little bit. But I think what he did was fantastic. And in terms of the most integral part to making a Ripley movie, because this is one of the most fascinating characters of the 20th century, is finding the right actor to play Tom Ripley. And Matt Damon, I think, has given us the best rendition of the character, even though we've had greats like John Malkovich play the character. But I think Matt's was spot on. He was perfectly cast. He was absolutely perfect as Tom Ripley. And if you haven't seen it, you like serial killer movies, like this is one of the best ones ever made for sure. And then we have Fight Club, which we just did an episode on last week, so we won't talk about it too much to be too repetitive. We're not actually allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I broke the first rule of Fight Club yeah. and the second rule Why'd of Fight Why'd you even Club. put it on the list? I shouldn't have put it, it on the list. It should have been a blank space. It should have been don't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Fight Club, David Fincher, arguably his best movie between that and, like, Seven. But, I mean, it, was, it changed film. It really spoke to a tremendous amount of people in the world, specifically like a heavy male audience, but obviously I think a lot of women like this film as well. I know plenty of women who love this film, but it really spoke to a generation of people who kind of feel lost in this Western culture, capitalism, capitalistic society. Without being able to put their finger on it. Yeah. Like why? And we talked really in depth in our episode the other day, and it's one of my favorite episodes we've done. It's a lot of fun. So definitely check that out, guys, because we just went to town on Fight Club. Yeah, it was it's great. Because th that was something we've been saving for a long time we dabbled in it when we did our david fincher spotlight episode but oh, we've like been saving we it. spent like an hour and a half just breaking down fight club it was a good time and yeah. i'm sure most of you listening love that movie as much as us next up we have the virgin suicides which was sofia coppola's debut film about a family with five daughters who all commit suicide and this tells the story of how and why that happened it's a great debut by her she she showed her talent as a director kirsten dunce had a breakout role in this film as the lead and it's just a great film yeah, we talked about this. Which episode did we just talk about this on? Um, Recently, the debut filmmakers. Oh yeah, debut filmmakers. In our Patreon episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a relatable film in terms of adolescence and teenage years. It's also incredibly disturbing with the third act of the movie. If you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. We but we don't want to we don't want to spoil it. It's in the synopsis. Yeah, I know it's in the title. Yeah, but um, it's a very <laughs> disturbing film. But Sophia, she really captured her aesthetic. It, it's like compare. It's comparable, I think, to. Tarantino and Reservoir Dogs, where you really see her style in its most raw form with the Virgin Suicides. Yeah, like with Bottle Rocket for Wes. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Because these those directors are, are tours. You know, they have a very significant, specific style that supersedes the storytelling in general. Great point. And then we have The Three Kings, which was directed by Spike Jones, our guy. No, who did it? David O. Russell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Spike Jones acts in it. My bad. <laughs> Do you host a movie podcast? I don't know why in my head I said Spike Jones. You, you were just thinking because he's in it. Yeah. But David O. Russell made this film. Anyways, David O. Russell <laughs> made Three Kings. You're right. I, I, I should just quit giving up. Anyone want to uh, take his place? <laughs> Be holding Zoom interviews. This movie's cool. So it's it's George Clooney, Ice Cube, Spike Jones is a side character, but then also Maki Mack, post-Persian Gulf War, and these soldiers are out in Kuwait trying to steal gold from... Oh, no, from uh, Saddam Hussein, right? Yeah, from one of his bases. Yeah. So, so they know that there's a giant pile of gold, golden bars. 
and nobody knows about it. So they go off off the grid and try to steal this gold from whoever, whoever like the base where it's from. Yeah, David O. Russell did some, not Spike Jones, did some really creative filmmaking. <laughs> the specifically, the lung every one. time there's a bullet wound, he does like the internal body yeah. cam of the organs and the lungs and what's happening. It's really interesting. This was before he developed his style that we know of now with his films, but he was he is a very creative visually filmmaker. But he and George Clooney actually had horrible work relationship and they fought constantly. And George Clooney said he'd never work with him again. Yeah, I believe they're not in speaking terms anymore. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of people have said that about David Russell. Probably. I mean, he's one of those directors. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Spike Jones, next film. <laughs> this, I, think, I think my brain was yeah. like, I saw the next no, film. No, it's because you know he's in it. And I know I think, Spike Jones was in yeah. it. Yeah. So Spike Jones directed Being John Malkovich, which is a great film. I love this movie written by Charlie Kaufman. It's so bizarre, so weird, so funny. Uh, John Cusack's great. Catherine Keener's amazing. And this film is funny. Uh, Cameron Diaz is great in it as well. You never see anything like it. Charlie Kaufman is a really unique writer where he comes up with characters that you've never seen in movies before and with concepts you could never even think of. And I think being John Malkovich, I think, is um, Spike Jones' best movie. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think her I is know a you masterpiece. Love her. It's a, I, that's a masterpiece. Whoa, guys, I offended him. Her is a top 20 yeah, on my list all time. It's too emotional for me. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about Kaufman is he always makes films, like writes films like uh, Eternal Sunshine, exploring the mind and like how our brains work and this film kind of explores that concept of what's inside of us you know what is inside of us john malkovich <laughs> <laughs> next up we have american pie which is just a classic high school film this one was so raunchy and funny and we never really seen anything quite like it obviously like animal house was that kind of humor but i think this was a very modern take on that style in 1999 and it was super relatable to all the what, are these millennials? Would they be classified as or Gen X? I think millennial. I think millennials. <laughs> you want to say that? Let again? me take a sip of water. I it? think millennials. <laughs> I heard your voice go. John Malkovich was inside Anthony's mouth that took his voice. That's don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> but I think American Pie just really hit the the culture of. The high school world in America so well and the tone of that humor and the the style and, and what kids and teenagers were like. I think you're right to compare it to Animal House because I think before American Pie, basically all of the teen movies were either rom-coms or like edgy poppy stuff. Or horror movies. Yeah, or horror movies. So the party movie I don't think was really big in the 90s before American Pie came out. Yeah, not, not huge, I would say. I can't say. think of a big party movie before that. I'm sure we're wrong, and someone's probably just leaving a one-star review right now. Typing real hard. <laughs> Typing real hard. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Next up, we have The Insider, directed by the great Michael Mann, which stars Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe plays a man who works for a big tobacco company who becomes a whistleblower in, uh, with 60 Minutes, producer played by Al Pacino. And it is a terrific film, very tense, amazing acting, fantastic directing, based on a true story. And it's a phenomenal movie. I really, really love this movie, and I, I'm surprised it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Pacino is awesome. And yeah, when you're taking down something like Big Tobacco, I think it's it's hard to make a movie when you're going after corporations and very powerful people, but I think they pulled it off. And I think it's streaming right now on Amazon. I, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think on Amazon yeah. Prime. So yeah. you sh I definitely recommend that. It's not my streaming rec today, but it can be my second one. It is a long movie, but it's worth it for yeah. the runtime. 
Next up, we have... <laughs> I know you're going to like this one. We have Blue Streak starring Martin Lawrence. I love this movie. It's so fun. I still think one of the funniest movie scenes I've ever seen in my life is when Martin Lawrence is in that like blue jumpsuit with the fake teeth and the glasses. And he's dropping off the pizzas and he's dancing around. It's just so ridiculous. He's like, he's like I have these pizzas, but I don't want to leave them over there with Shamu. <laughs> Martin Lawrence is hysterical, man. I mean... Uh, he, the, his career, you know, petered out after Bad Boys 2 pretty much, but he got a little bit of resurgence he recently. Didn't have, I don't think he had the leading man qualities that— Not he, anymore, yeah. maybe. But, I mean, even his TV show was so good. Martin yeah. was such a good show, and I, I think he's just one of the funniest acting, like, movie comedians of all time. He's terrific, but I think he works best as a, as a sidekick, with, like with Will Smith. And this movie, we loved it. It's so funny. It's a good time. It's just, like, a great— Funny cop comedy, and Martin Lawrence steals the show. It's his movie. He's so funny. Yeah, he's great. Next up, we have Big Daddy, starring Adam Sandler. And this movie was so great when it came out. What's your name? He'll write it on the wall. I have a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> Whether he's like covering stuff in newspapers. Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. <laughs> Four. I got a jack, a six, a nine, and a queen. I win. <laughs> Kangaroo song. This movie's so quotable. It's very quotable. But the, the the character of Buddy is hysterical because this, uh, you could say, is the transition of Adam Sandler's baby man to like a a a teenage man in a way <laughs> like he's still kind of like a, an adolescent at heart like like you said he puts the newspaper on the vomit he puts it on the pee on the bed he's just he's just a kind of a kid but he's not the baby man that he is in happy gilmore yeah. and billy madison but this movie it still what's really impressive about big daddy is it still pulled in the audience from the raunchy happy gilmore billy madison crowd and they all still love this movie even though it has a lot more heart and Adam Sandler really proved how big of a star he is with this film. I relate to the sticks scene because I love sticks. That it what happens in the sticks. Scene? No, the, the band sticks. S -T -Y -X. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sticks <laughs> with an X. And he's like, all my friends used to make fun of me all the time. And he tells the lie about meeting the band. <laughs> it, it might be his best movie. It it could definitely be his best. Like movie. Big Daddy is it's super quotable, it's phenomenal. It's, Whether it's like John Stewart did it. Yeah, this movie does it. It aged perfectly. Still, it's, it's still very Not funny. perfectly. Well, they, okay, they okay, treat the right. ex-girlfriend as a villain okay, just for right, breaking right. up. And you can, like, what girl wouldn't break up with him? You you're know right, what I mean? You're right. She was totally, like, in the right to break up with he him. He was a D-bag. Yeah, and they, and they made it seem like she was the bad guy. All right, it hasn't aged perfectly, but it's still very funny. <laughs> 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 Moving on. To Boys Don't Cry, this stars Hilary Swank, and this was... This this list actually has a couple films about transgender characters in, in that world, which obviously has been getting a ton of recognition over the last few years in representation in film and TV. But there were some very good movies in 1999 that featured uh, this population. And she is sensational in this movie. It's you could It might be better than her performance in Million Dollar Baby. And I think that Hilary Swank, for five years, she dominated Hollywood in terms Superstar. of... Superstar. Like, she was just putting in amazing performance after amazing performance and this really catapulted her into fame because what was million dollar baby what year was that like 2004 yeah so that was just like five years and she yeah. had two oscar wins two so wins. she was yeah. super superstar yeah. like yeah big time next up we have the green mile which was directed by frank darabont and is based on the novel by stephen king tom hanks is amazing in this uh, the cast is sensational. It's really dark, but also has a, a lot of religious themes as well, which sets it apart from Shawshank. Um, it's a really fantastic movie. Yeah, I mean, Sam Rockwell is in it. He's got a great role. That's but right. Michael Clark Duncan, phenomenal performance in this. 
And I think he just brings this quality to the character, you know, where it's just the most innocent person you could imagine on film, despite his size and his maybe his inti- in- intimidating he's qualities. A contradiction. You know, so he's, he's, his, inter- his personality is ironic to what he looks like. And he's just the sweetest guy in the, in the film. And you just, he's got these powers. It's really cool, like magical. like powers. Yeah, it's, it's very inspirational film and very moving, too. I love it. And if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have brand new laptops on our desk courtesy of LG. These are the 17-inch LG Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops. The cool thing about them is their 16-10 aspect ratio versus 16-9, so more vertical space, which is great for us for editing and, and referring our notes on episodes. Not to mention they are shockingly light. They feel like cardboard, and the displays and the screens are sensational. Watching movies on this, it's the best laptop I've ever looked at. So we'll put links to in our YouTube video for the LG Gram 16 and 17 inch models. Thank you, LG and LG Gram Laptop for sponsoring the show for the rest of the year. Our other amazing sponsor is Arc Studio Pro, the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market. It provides users with perfect formatting when writing your script. They also have this amazing feature called the plot board. Now this allows you to easily organize your plots, your acts, and you can drag them around like they're basically digital flashcards. It's super cool, super efficient, and super easy. There are two versions of Arc Studio Pro. There's the basic version. All it has is the ability to write and save as PDFs. That's pretty much it. But the premium version, it costs $99 per year. Now, Arc Studio Pro has this amazing link. It's a special deal with Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Follow the link in our YouTube episode. Follow that link to Arc Studio Pro, and you can get $30 off your purchase. So then the price for Arc Studio Pro is only $69 for the entire year. Now, the, the premium version has all sorts of perks, like apps for your desktop or your phone, online collaboration with co-writers, so it's like using Google Docs with other users, super helpful outlining tools, revision management, and links to feedback. Now again, use the link we provide in this video on YouTube and head on over to Arc Studio Pro to, to get your special offer. All right, let's get back into the episode. And next up, we have Eyes Wide Shut, which was Stanley Kubrick's final film. He passed away, unfortunately, just a few days after showing the film to the studio. So he never even got to see it released into the theaters. And this movie took over a year, about a year to make or over a year. Over a year. Just of filming and production. So... It was a huge, strenuous project, and it's, I think, one of his most underrated movies. This movie didn't get even, even an Oscar nomination, and it stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It's very mysterious, but also very fun and, and dark and, and eerie. I think that Kubrick was always ahead of the curve, and so he famously never won Oscars. So I think that uh, voters and audiences were never aware of how advanced he was in his storytelling, and uh, this film... It's one of my favorite Kubrick movies, and it's one of Tom Cruise's best roles. It's an am- amazing movie, and it's some of the most interesting, intriguing, like you said, eerie things you've ever seen in a movie. And it's memorable. It's infamous now. And I've seen this movie many times, and I still love watching it. He really honed in on the craft of using steady cam operation with this film and his lighting as well. And I just adore this film. Yeah, and who doesn't love secret societies when they're blended into mysteries? It's so fun. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Next up, we have 10 Things I Hate About You. And this was a great rom-com that year, probably the best of the year. And we got Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger giving great leading performances. JGL's in there. Yeah, baby JGL. 
it's a really charming movie. It's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of heart to it. It uh, has a little a little tragedy to it, but all in all, it's a great, wholesome rom-com. Yeah, we actually just talked about it in our Back to School episode, and what I love about it so much is, like, Heath Ledger just flipped the the lead protagonist, like, love interest of the girl on its head, and we got, like, a new version of that. He wasn't, like, the perfect jockey guy, like, perfect grades. who's kind of a rebellious dude and sort of, like, a James Dean quality to him. So I, I think Heath is obviously one of the greatest actors to ever do it, and this is just a great... A great, like, relic to go back into. It seemed like he had just a ton of fun doing this movie. Yeah, he's so young in it, too. Yeah. All of them are. They're all babies. <laughs> and next we have Office Space. And this is a classic. This is, so I've seen good. this movie like a dozen times. I don't know why. We but, used like, to watch this all, no, more than a dozen times. It was times on Comedy when Central we a lot. We watch it over it and over yeah, again. It's on TV all the time. And there's just so many iconic scenes Have and lines. And yeah, Milton with the stapler, and it's just it's just so funny. Like the, you're a penny stealer. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous. I'm a people person. I'm good at talking to people. What's the hell's the matter with you people? I still quote this movie. I still use the jump to conclusions, Matt. I say, I say to me. Anthony all the time, like, hey, get off your jump to conclusions, Matt, pal. All right. <laughs> this movie's so great, and it's got so many great scenes. Um, Jennifer Aniston's yeah got a great um, lead role. She works at at. Chislers? No, it's Sizzlers. Fridays? Sizzlers. Is it, no, who puts the all the shit on, the, on their aprons? Or I mean, Sizzlers. On the suspenders. Is it Sizzlers? I've, I've never been to it's a not, Sizzlers. It's not TGI Fridays. It's not Chili's? It's not Chili's. It must be Sizzlers. I think then. it's Sizzlers. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a place called Sizzlers would probably make you do that. But I mean, so many great scenes. Yeah, like, I'm th- going to need you to finish, fill out those TPS reports. Yeah, if you could come in on Saturday... Saturday. We're also gonna need you to come in on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. The scene when they uh they bust up the printer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the baseball bat. Damn, it feels good to be, be a, a gangster. gangster. <laughs> it's it's classic. It's so funny. Unbelievable movie. Like, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Two chicks at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that without a million dollars. Well, I figure it'd be a lot easier if I did. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous, funny movie, but it's also just a giant comedy on that worker bee nine to five life and how we all wish we could leave it. Yeah, Fight Club and this came out in the same year. Pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> You're right. It's the exact same about theme. That. Very similar theme. That's a different tone. That'd be a great double feature. Oh my God, that is a great o- double feature. Open up with Office Space and end with Fight Club. Oh man, that's perfect. <laughs> Next up, we have Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. This was such a big deal when it came out. It was so big that people were buying tickets for films before this film came out to watch the trailer leading up to whatever film they bought the ticket for. And then they would leave the theater once the other movie started because they didn't want to watch the movie. They just wanted to watch the trailer for The Phantom Menace. And ticket sales actually increased at movie theaters because of that. Like people were, and this is before the internet. You weren't, you didn't have YouTube to watch movie trailers or. And there's nothing to watch it, so you had to go to the theater to see things. And this movie, for us, we were nine when it came out. I know it's not a perfect movie, but we loved it. We had a great time at the theater. It was mind-blowing. The uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn fight with Darth Maul was just the most insane thing we'd ever seen. Uh, We thought Jar Jar was funny when we were kids, you know, and we really adored this movie. I think that... It's because Lucas made it for us. Yeah, the CGI mixed with real actors. Like, we saw dabbled in with Jurassic Park, like that herd scene in some of the dinosaurs, but I think they just upped it so much with Star Wars A Phantom Menace. And, you know, no one had seen a Star Wars movie in what? A new one in two decades. Almost 20 years. So, like, it was just like, oh, my God, they're making another Star Wars movie. Like, it's there's no way it's not going to be the greatest film ever made. Or it's now it's every be amazing. six months. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> it's like, all right, another, another, wait, like, another two years, there's going to be, like, seven Star Wars TV shows. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it set the stage for the 21st century of what Star Wars would be. And the phenomenon it continues to be. Yeah. 
Next up, we have The Sixth Sense, <gasps> which was such a good movie. This was the M. Night movie that like put him on the map. It's the first one. It was. It's a really impressive first movie. It was a really good film. It's the... You know, he started his big twist stories like this is it. Like M Night, what's the twist in his movie going to be? And The Sixth Sense was one of the most shocking twists you'll ever see. I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but I mean, Haley Joel Osment is the is the actor. He got an Oscar nom, I think, mm-hmm. for this is too. Yep. Bruce Willis is fantastic in this, and Tony Collette is in this, and I think she stopped doing horror after this until Hereditary came along. But I mean, The Sixth Sense, who hasn't seen it? It's Bruce Willis's greatest performance. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I can't think of anything that tops I mean, this. Die Hard's pretty dope. I'm talking about, like, performance. <laughs> he's pretty good as himself in Ocean's it, 12. <laughs> he's also himself in Die Hard. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. But Sixth Sense was mind-blowing, and it was it was just like, uh, what's the found footage one? I'm sorry, I can't um, The found footage Blair one. Witch Project? It's just like Blair Witch, where the word of mouth for this was phenomenal, and it was just mo- monstrous. And it was scary, too. Everyone was like, this, have you seen The Sixth Sense? And Everyone was talking about this movie. It was a really big deal. And for your first movie to make almost seven hundred million dollars in ninety nine, that's about that's almost a billion dollars now. That's how big this movie was. So M Night has had probably the most impressive debut of the in decades, probably of all time. Yeah, financially, it's like financially, that doesn't happen. Yeah, that and doesn't happen. Again, it is a scary movie. I was tripping out as a kid when I saw this. Oh yeah, big time. Next up, we have The Iron Giant. Which I think is probably one of the best animated films of the last 30 years. So underrated. It's really underrated. And I know we have a lot of Pixar, great Pixar movies and a lot of great DreamWorks movies. But The Iron Giant was really fantastic. And it's not a Disney production. I th- oh, it's DreamWorks, I think. So, But if Vin Diesel as The Iron Giant was perfect. It's a precursor to him as I Am Groot. As Groot. But it's a really heartfelt film. Uh, blends the sci-fi with the family drama. And I just really adored this movie when I was a kid. Yeah, I love Iron Giant. Huge underrated animated film. Very sad movie. All right. And then we have <laughs> Mystery Men, which is Mystery just Men. a fun movie. When we, we're not when it came out, so we had a blast. This, this is before there were 20 superhero movies a year. Yeah, this was like the superhero movie of the year. Yeah, this was, was bunch, the superhero movie. It was just a bunch of weird people doing weird stuff, pretending they're superheroes. Yeah. And like, isn't, no Dane, one, isn't Dane Cook in this? I don't know. Or, I don't know. Who's the lead? William H. Macy? or Bill, No, it's Ben Stiller. Oh, yeah, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. He's the guy who just has like a black coat, and that's it. It's it's a ridiculous <laughs> movie. It's It's pretty funny. It's... Cringe, obviously. If you watched yeah, yeah. it now, it's not great, but we were. It's for when we saw it as kids, we loved it. It was super funny. Yeah, but it was super cheese ball. Moving on, <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't check it out. Yeah, maybe don't watch it. Just think about your memories of it being fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> Next up, we have Deep Blue Sea, which we talked about on our Shark Week episode a couple of weeks ago, and Deep Blue Sea was awesome. It was so cool to see a, this epic shark movie. CGI was excellent. Uh, Sam Jackson's got like the best death ever in movies, and we love this as kids. Yeah, it's probably the best shark movie outside of Jaws because how do you make a shark movie that isn't Jaws with the concept <laughs> of just people on a boat being attacked by a shark? So yeah. they had to figure out – that's what you have to do with shark movies. You have to figure out a reason for a shark to be attacking human beings outside of the storyline of Jaws. And I think you, that, you can just not go in the water. Yeah, yeah, so I think they did a great job with coming up with a wild story and this cool facility that's experimenting on sharks to try to cure Alzheimer's and just they make the shark super smart and it's the wicked epic. Smart guy. It's wicked, wicked epic. Smart shark. The shark ate me. Did the you see the shark, the shark ate me? Ate me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Sleepy Hollow, which stars Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci, and it follows Ichabod Crane 
and the Headless Horseman and the mystery of the decapitations of the three people in Sleepy Hollow. And I love this movie. I think it's really underrated. I have a good time every time I watch it. I love the aesthetic. It's like the desaturated look. There's tons of fog. It's I love these like period piece horror films so much. It's great. This I think this is one of Tim Burton's best movies. It really is excellent and the atmosphere, the cinematography, the production design, the costuming. Johnny Depp is great as the lead. You can see that charm and that weird quality that people love about him so much. And, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. Who plays the Headless Horseman? Um, they actually got a Headless Horseman. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> no, a super famous actor. I can't think of him from, you know, Deer Hunter. And oh, it's uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, yeah. He's awesome as the Headless Horseman. He's got, like, these crazy sharp teeth, and yeah. he's just out of his mind in it, but he's he's perfect. He doesn't even say a word in the movie. He does not say a single word, but he's he's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's probably like the least Tim Burton-y Tim Burton movie, if you think about it. No, I think it's very Tim Burton-y. But no, no, it's extremely Tim Burton-y. <laughs> it's so Tim Burton. No, Big Fish is the least Tim Burton-y one, don't you Well, think? that's just because it's colorful, but... No, the, the painting one with the eyes with Christopher with uh, Christoph Waltz and Amy Adams. Big eyes. Okay, that's the least Tim Burton-y one. But Anyways. This movie's awesome. I great. love it. Next up, we have our Bond movie of the year. The World Is Not Enough, starring Pierce Brosnan. And this was a great movie. Car Robert Carlyle is the awesome villain. And, I mean, we loved Bond. When we were kids, Pierce Brosnan was just the coolest. And this is an extravagant, big-budget, you know, action. CGI is not quite there yet, but it's still good enough for us. And we had a blast with this movie. Yeah, Pierce is probably, like, my third Bond because I think it's kind of like the Doctor. It's like who you grew up with is, like, where you rank your Doctor Who doctors and James Bond. But like, obviously, Danny Craig and then Sean Connery. But I think Pierce does a great job. And it's Craig. Craig, all the people, <laughs> sorry that we say Craig because we're from Massachusetts. Everyone gets so upset in the they comments. They get real upset. Did he just say Craig? <laughs> of course an American says Craig. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. <laughs> hey, we got a lot of European and Australian fans. Sorry, no, kidding, yeah. sorry everybody. No, they're, they're the angry TikTok commenters, okay, right. not our fans. The our fans movie. love us. But yeah, the world's not enough. It's, it's a James Bond movie. They're The ones that he did, they weren't the best, but... They get the job done. Oh, they get the job done for sure. <laughs> if you think about it, Pierce Brosnan was like the biggest action hero for 10 years. Probably. These huge action movies. He was doing yeah. it all. Especially when he <laughs> rides the dirt bike off <laughs> this is, rides the dirt bike off the cliff, skydives into a plane, pulls up on the reins last minute in front of the mountains and survives. Yeah. And that's not this one. That was the, that was the one before yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. With Sean, one Bean. Sean Bean is the, is the yeah. villain. Classic. Tomorrow Never Dies. Super realistic. Yeah. All right, next up we have The Ninth Gate, another Johnny Depp film. This is directed by Roman Polanski. I love this movie because I love these weird mysteries, and this is on a, is a book hunt, really, with Satan involved and the devil, and it's just such a cool, interesting story. It's like a really good version of Dogma, you could say, which is also <laughs> on this list. But um, I think Roman Polanski is one of the greatest directors to ever live, and the suspense that he develops in his films is really unmatched since Alfred Hitchcock, and I think that... It, Everything he touches is superb, and The Ninth Gate is its definitely one of my, like, favorite fun movies to watch. Like, I'm, I've seen it, like, a dozen times, but it's, like, sometimes I'm, like, I don't know what to watch. I'm putting on The Ninth Gate. It's an amazing movie, and Frank Langella is great in the movie as well. And I, I really adore this, and like you said, Polanski is one of the best to ever do it. And this film is, I think not many people have seen it, but it is really sensational. It's one of the best movies this year, for sure. Next up, we have Bringing Out the Dead. Directed by Martin Scorsese, the the goat, and this stars Nick Cage as an ambulance driver in EMT. And this movie is—he's also a heroin addict. This movie is crazy, full of energy, really cr unbelievable cinematography and camera work. Like so, so much energy in this film. I really love it. Yeah, I watched it for the first time like three or four years ago, and I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. 
put yeah. it on your watch list yeah. next up because it's sensational. It didn't get a ton of recognition. And again, because same thing with Denzel and his career, Martin Scorsese's career, Nick Cage's career kind of gets lost in that shuffle. But Nick Cage is so good in this movie. It's really intense and dark. And he's like being um, troubled by all these people who have died on his watch and everything. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, it's out there. And I it's love the how most bizarre movie Scorsese's made. That's what, yeah. So yeah. that's what I love about it is it's so far out for him and his filmography. Mm-hmm. And uh, next up, we have Girl Interrupted. This is actually based on Susanna Kazin's account of her 18th month stay at a mental hospital in the late 1960s. This is a really iconic film. Angie won her Oscar for this. and She's only like 23. She's super young. And then it also stars um, Winona Ryder as well. She's the lead character. It's got a great full cast of great female actors. The mental ward aesthetic and stories are, they're always good. They're always Great hits usually. I mean, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, that's another great example. But I think this, this is the best one since then. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And excellent, excellent performances. Winona is a great lead. This is peak Winona Ryder. And unfortunately, I think it's after this movie, she got caught stealing. Um, and then the press tore her apart for stealing because she had this addiction to stealing stuff because mm-hmm. obviously she had plenty of money, but she just liked to steal stuff from stores. And she got caught and it became the biggest thing in the news that year. And ironically, now if that happened with an actor, they'd they'd blow up and to get and become more famous. But she kind of got blacklisted because of that, and that's why she stopped starring in ma- major movies for about a decade and a half. She was the biggest star. She was for like a, 10, 15 years. Yeah, she worked Huge. with Coppola, Scorsese. Like she was in a ton of great movies, unbelievable movies. Next up, we have. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Yeah, yeah baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> this movie took the the world by storm. Like everyone saw this, it was so much fun. It's a it's pretty um, R rated comedy for kids to see, but we all saw it. Yeah. But it, everyone, this was everyone was quoting Austin Powers in school, and I think he was like the most popular Halloween costume that year. This movie's just so much fun. Michael Myers, comedic genius, directing and uh, not directing but writing and starring in this movie. Uh, unbelievable job. This is a pop culture sensation. Yeah. It was everywhere. People were trying to copy it. And like you said, Halloween and just everything. Like Austin Powers was all over the place. And also it was number 10 for highest grossing. It made $312 million. Yeah. And it was just so fun. And Mike Myers owned the early 2000s after this. And all three of the Austin Powers movies are so fun. And it's just, I think he took the slapstick comedy that we used to see with like the super, the secret agents and just modernized it with his humor. Yeah. hundred percent. And then we have the Boondock State, the Boondock Saints, which is a Boston movie it's about these, these two Irish Catholic brothers who become vigilantes and wipe out Boston's criminal underworld in the name of God. And the highlight of this movie is uh, uh, definitely Willem Dafoe. There was a firefight. <laughs> he's out of his mind in <laughs> this so movie. He's, he's he's the best part of this movie for sure. Yeah, I this, love him. This is a cult classic in in New England for sure. Like yeah. kids love this movie. I gotta be honest, I never loved it. I never. Really, it's good, yeah. but I think it's overrated. I, I honestly think it's super overrated. I people we grew up with were like. Talking about it's like the best there's movie Goodfellas, there's Boondock Saints. Like, that's it. it. Boondock might be better than Goodfellas. Come on, come on, like, I was just never like totally sold on it. Uh, but Willem, Willem Dafoe saves the movie. It's I good think. time. And then we have Wild Wild West. Check it, Wild Wild West. Starred Will Smith. <laughs> this movie was huge too. This was all over pop culture wise. That marketing for it was everywhere. Like yeah, it was fast, Burger King, fast yeah. food places. Everything it was all over the place. And you know, Will Smith is a cowboy. It's it's an awesome concept. The movie, I think it hasn't aged well. I think it, if I watched it now, it'd be pretty cringy, the yeah. writing and everything. But I enjoyed the hell of it as a kid. And also it blends um, the Western with sci-fi. And I I think it didn't really work with this film. Um, it's a difficult thing to pull off, sci-fi and Western, two genres that shouldn't have anything to do with each other. 
And but Kenneth Branagh, I think, is the highlight of this movie. I think he's great as the villain, the guy who's like got spider mechanical legs, and it, he seems to be chewing up dialogue in this movie. But I mean, what Will Smith? I think this is his biggest miss as a leading man in Hollywood. And I, the worst thing about it is that he passed on the Matrix to do this one. Yeah, but he's still very charming. In it. He's still well. oh, he's great. In yeah, it. He's but still I'm will. saying the movie was it was a one of it's one of the biggest bombs in history. Yeah. All right, we're about halfway through, so why don't we head on into our intermission now? Let's go, bud. All right, let's begin with our movie quote competition. I have one from a fan. I have one from a fan, too. And then one from me. So this is from John Blake Richardson. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this this life or the next. Can I say the quote? (laughs) I can't not say the quote. I know. Not that one. Maximus Decimus Meridius, Gladiator. One of my favorite scenes of all time pretty good all right here's my quote from a fan it is from hobbs 2019 habs 2019 gentlemen you have my curiosity but now you have my attention that is uh calvin candy that's right and in in uh django good job all right this one's for me i'm so much happier now that i'm dead i'm so much happier now that i'm dead so it's someone who's Died in the past tense. What movie would that be? Past tense, past tense. (laughs) I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. I don't know. Gone Girl. Oh, it's her first line when her story starts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a good one. Great quote. I was totally thrown off by that. Great quote. Figured you would be. Shut up. Shut up. You don't say that. <laughs> all right, here's my quote. I could have killed them. I could have killed them all. I could have killed you. In town, you're the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it. Don't push it or I'll give you a war you won't believe. Let it go. It's got to be a Western. What Western is it? I'll give you a hint. It's not a Western. It's not a Western. Say it again. I could have killed them all. I could have killed you. In town, you're the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it. Don't push it or I'll give you a war you won't believe. Let it go. <laughs> Sounds like a Western. <laughs> don't, don't do that. I know I it's know. a Southern accent. He doesn't have a Southern accent. <laughs> you're saying it like it's a... <laughs> I'm not an actor. <laughs> I'm not an actor. I'm not a fighter. <laughs> I never claimed to be. <laughs> um, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. Rambo. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. I was trying to do Sly, but they drew first blood. They drew first blood. <laughs> that's Gollum. <laughs> your accents, your accents today are bad. You're like, my precious. <laughs> it's obviously Rambo. How did you not get that? <laughs> my precious. Shalina. <laughs> <laughs> What's Tater's precious? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Guess movie release year. <laughs> We're getting silly tonight. All right. Monsters, Inc. 2001. Nice. nice. That was easy. Yeah. Come on. Cakewalk right there. Cakewalk. Oh, wow. You're a good winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I, got, I got Monsters, Inc. right. <laughs> it's a big deal. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Here's mine. The original Halloween. 1972. Oh, 78. <sighs> Damn. Good try. It was a good try. All right. Movie pop quiz time. 
This is a good question. Okay, okay, hold on. James has been setting up this movie quiz question for two days, saying he has the best one of all time. <laughs> so I just want you it's to pretty... feel the. I want you to build up to this like I have. It's pretty good. What actor was originally meant to voice Shrek? Oh, whoa. What actor? So who was pretty famous around then that has a voice that could suit Shrek? Um, I have not. I don't, um, I don't know. Chris Farley was originally meant to voice Shrek, recording nearly all of the dialogue written for the film in a light New York accent until he passed away, unfortunately. Oh, wow. So yeah. he actually recorded dialogue. Yeah, so it was going to be a New York accent and not his Wisconsin dialect. Man, that's so sad. Wow. Pretty wild, right? Can you imagine Chris Farley as, as Shrek? He, Chris Farley would have been one of the biggest stars in the world. He, he was. Yeah. He's the biggest comedic star in the world He's probably there, yeah. at the time. He would have been huge. I mean, at, right before he passed away, if he did this, but he also, like Beverly Hills Ninja is one yeah. of the funniest movies of all time. Yeah. He's, he was He's on so top. Good. He was on top. Top of the world. Okay, here's my trivia question. Who played Lex Luthor in the original Superman movies? I don't know. Gene Hackman. Oh, God. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. He was great. He was great as Lex. All right, biggest hater of the week. We have a couple of haters. One of my favorite. A lot favorite, of haters this week. One of my favorite was on a National Treasure clip on TikTok. We posted about how um, in front of the Abraham Lincoln Monument, there is the reflection reflect reflection pool. Yeah. And... um. Sometimes it's got no water in it, so they digitally added water for the film National Treasure. They did the same thing in Forrest Gump, but it was empty at the time of filming. And so there's a shot that we showed in the clip of a POV from the steps of the Abraham Lincoln Memorial. And looking from the Abraham Lincoln Memorial, you see on the other side of the reflection pool is the Washington Monument, and that is the tall, slender one that's like 200 feet tall. And so someone in the clip, even though in the clip we wrote, the reflective pool, the reflection pool in front of the Abraham Lincoln Memorial. That's what we said in the quote, and also it's a POV shot from those steps. So, so you're, the, you're on the steps looking at it. So you're looking yeah. at the pool, and the memorial is literally a hundred feet behind you. That's the Abraham Lincoln statue. And someone in the comments wrote, "Huh, that's actually the wa the Washington Monument." <laughs> and then I'm like, "Bro, they are on opposite sides of the reflection pool." So not only is it the dumbest comment in the world, you're in also being a hater the way he wrote it. But it's like, dude. Mul they, you, they're a, you could throw a rock pretty much. Yeah, multiple people wrote that, and it's like clearly you know nothing about Washington D.C. to think that that is not the Lincoln Steps he's they're standing on. Like they're, those are the Lincoln Steps they're standing on, and the pool is right in front of it. It's pretty silly. It's like it's a two-second Google search. Yeah, do a little research before you try and call us out. It's crazy. Yeah, doing us I mean, dirty in the said, doing us dirty in the comments. Even we wrote in front of. Anyways, all right. Here are our fake haters. Fake haters. We got Ratch B wrote in our Back to School Movies episode, no spoiler alerts, unsubscribe, JK, I'm a 90s kids, and this was such a nostalgic episode, loved it. Glad you loved that episode, it was a good one. And then Llama Man called us out because you and I both forgot that Matt Damon starred in a Spielberg movie. Yeah. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, obviously. And he's like, I couldn't tell if you guys were sarcastic or not about it. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> I told him we both blanked on it. The funny thing is, like two weeks before we did Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, ironically. 
And then Jaden Bird on Instagram, uh, I posted the clip of you talking about how Chris Nolan has left Warner Brothers and his new film is going to be produced by and distributed by Universal. And then Jaden Birch wrote, Chris Nolan walked into the WB offices and said, unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite one. That's all of them. All right, biggest supporter of the week. We have a couple. So our patron, Dylan Labonte, actually gave us that idea for the Back to School episode. So thanks, thanks so much, pal. Dylan, for recommending that. If anyone else has any requests or ideas for episodes, feel free to hit us, and hit us up in our DMs on Instagram or show us a, send us a tweet, one of those tweets on Twitter. Is that what the kids are doing these yeah, days? Yeah, they're sending tweets out there. And then also a five-star review from Dylan Russell. Great show with great guys. This podcast is a great listen for film fanatics or just casual Netflix browsers. The hosts are very funny and actually take time for fan interaction, which makes the show even more fun for the average podcast listener. I sent a DM to these guys about an original 1977 Star Wars movie poster my late grandfather left me for after his passing. Within a few hours, they had messaged a sincere response back. Great show with great people. 10 out of 10 of my books. Bud, thanks so much for sending us that. That's actually a really cool relic that his uh, his grandfather left him, an original Star Wars poster. It's really cool. He sent a Those photo Those must be it. so valuable. Yeah, so they they actually have – I think they're getting it appraised. Mm -hmm. So it's actually really cool, the image he sent us. So thanks, Dylan, for sending that. Thanks for the review, pal. And like I said, we do respond to all DMs. We respond to everyone. On this day in film history, today is September 20th. The New Girl debuted in 2011. I know that's Who's TV. that girl? It's John Bernthal's birthday. No, it's Jess. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Prisoners was released in 2013, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Great movie. Great, Who's great movie. making Dune? Love that. Huh? <laughs> Who's, Who's making Dune? <laughs> Jimmy had to say Dune. He can't go an episode without saying it, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's coming, man. It's almost October. My streaming recommendation is World War Z, and you can find this on Paramount+. Plus. I forgot to uh, do a streamer. It's okay. Don't worry. I'll do your job for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I recommend The Insider from Anthony. <laughs> yes, The Insider. As great, we talked about great, earlier. Great, great movie. All right, let's get back into the episode. <laughs> and where did we leave off? Now We left off on Varsity Blues, which we just talked about in our Back to School episode. It's a great football high school movie about the difficulties of being in a high-pressure school who in Texas where football is everything to every, the people who live there. And I did a great job with this film. It's funny. It's dramatic. It has great stakes, and the football is good. The Cider House Rules is next, and this stars Michael Caine and Tobey Maguire is in it too, right? Michael Caine. And um, it's a young man raised in an orphanage, orphanage who's trained to be a doctor there, decides to leave and try to like set his sights on the world. And Michael Caine is one of his best roles, and he... You know, I think Michael Caine is one of the best actors of all time. He really is. He's got um, two Oscars, I think two, I think two or three Oscars, and a ton of nominations. And this is definitely one of his best roles. And he shows you how much range he has with this movie. He can do anything. Next up, we have Titus, which is a Shakespearean adaptation starring Anthony Hopkins in a stacked cast as well. It's a really unique, uh, visionary take on the story. Uh, it has a blend of modern and um, Ancient. ancient culture, style, photography, fashion, and it's just a really interesting adaptation. Never seen anything like it for Shakespeare. It's energetic for sure. I don't think it's my cup of tea, but it's definitely a shot for sure. Like with the, with the style of it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. Okay, next, let's lighten it up. 
We have The Faculty, which is a really great horror mo- high school horror movie that came out. It's fun. We watched this a ton. You know, you got Josh Hart in it. Was it Elijah Woods in this, yeah, right? Yeah, Frodo. it's a great cast. <laughs> it's about like this alien invasion and the aliens. Um, it's basically like an invasion of the body snatchers, but with like these little tiny worms that burrow inside people and turn them into the aliens. They get pretty big at the end, too. Yeah, this, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a trippy movie. It's fun. It's, it's you know, horror in a, in a high school, so it's a good time. Yeah. And then we have Dogma, which was directed by Kevin Smith. And this movie, it's a good time. I love, like, the uh, devil, heaven, and hell stories. Those are always fascinating to me, especially because we grew up in Catholic family and Catholic mm-hmm. high school and all that jazz and stuff. So it's it's fun to see it portrayed on film in such a comedic way, in satirical way, like Kevin Smith's writing. And, I mean, we have Matt and Ben in this movie, plus yeah. Chris Rock. So, I mean, the cast is awesome. Yeah, I mean, Matt and Ben play Fallen Angels. Like, it's really, it's a really cool uh, movie, really cool script. We watched it a ton when we were younger. <laughs> you say that about every movie? <laughs> you said that, like, four times in a row. Oh, I mean, it's, it's no secret we loved movies. It's like a button. We watched that a ton when we were younger. We watched that a ton when we were younger. <laughs> we did not watch that a ton when we were younger. I did not watch each, watch each East West a ton. I don't know, <laughs> but Dogma is a good time. It's really funny, and I, I think that Kevin Smith he's more suited to small movies. But this was actually a big budget. He got like fifty mil for this or something. But it was a fun time for yeah. sure. And, and next that, we have the animated film Tarzan, which was Disney's release that year. And this this is definitely one of Tar's um, Disney's most underrated animated films. It's a great time, super successful, great score. Um, it's just a great animated feature. And then we have Never Been Kissed, and this stars Drew Barrymore as someone who's never been kissed, and she's, like, in her 20s. Yeah. And she, she goes back to high school. She's a journalist, right? And she goes undercover as a high school student. And they make fun of this in uh, Not Another Teen yeah. movie, movie when, like, an elderly woman, like, yeah. like signs up for class. She's like, cool, thanks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, where's home ec? <laughs> but it's a touching story. It's a it's cute love story. Uh, Drew did a bunch of these, like, fever pitch, and I think she does a great job. This was her star-making role, this one, because then she did Charlie's Angels. So she had one-two punch, and then she was a big star. Yeah, but this captured the hearts of a lot of people, I think. So many hearts. Next because up. it's not about how many people you kiss. It's about who you kiss that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Is that from not another team movie? I just quote. That's from me. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> Next up, we have Election, which I think is the greatest high school movie ever. It's sensational, made, written and directed by Alexander Payne. Stars Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick. And Reese is uh, this annoying, perfectionist, uh, perfect student who's running for president. And Matthew Broderick plays the jealous teacher who tries to stop her from winning. Really, really amazing movie. Super funny, super dark comedy. It's uh I think Alexander Payne's best movie too, and he's made some awesome films. Yeah. And Reese is such an icon. I yeah. love Reese Witherspoon so much. She's awesome. If you love Reese Witherspoon, definitely check this out. This really was the catapult to her career. And Anthony watched this a ton when he was younger. <laughs> this, I, I watched this a ton when I was a kid. <laughs> then we have The Bone Collector, oh, which man. is a great serial killer murder mystery starring Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington. And they're on the hunt for this killer. And Angie kind of has to take the reins of the investigation because De- Denzel's character gets injured and um, paralyzed. paralyzed from from trying from being on the investigation himself. Denzel's the only person who could pull Angelina Jolie while in a hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's factual information. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're Denzel. <laughs> but great acting. Uh, Angie does a terrific job leading leading the film. She actually has a, a wide array of range in her films. You know, she does horror. The, the Taking Lives with Ethan Hawke is another mm-hmm. great horror movie. So I think that if people are unaware, she has had plenty of experience in horror. Yeah, and this movie's cool. It makes you feel claustrophobic. And it's kind of like getting 
dark and dirty in like the horror aspect with serial killers. It's a lot of fun, but it's not as dark as like something like Seven. And it's an interesting serial killer, I think, yeah. for sure. And then we have Stuart Little. The cute little Stuart Little. This is just, you know, a great family film. We Anthony watched this a ton when he was young. <laughs> I actually don't think we watched it much at all. A couple times. Maybe a couple times. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't hit the button for this, actually. You know, it's, it's a little mouse and Stuart and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all know it. This is a big hit. This is a big hit. Who voiced Stuart? I have no idea. <laughs> is it Jamie Kennedy? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. I thought it was the, is it the kid from Jerry Maguire? Or he's in it, right? Oh, yeah, he's in it. He's, he's in, in it. He's yeah. axing it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. This movie was so funny. Classic. We saw this way too young. We should not have seen this. <laughs> I didn't even know what a gigolo was. Yeah, no idea. No idea. The movie did not make sense to me for like years. <laughs> it's still funny, though. Yeah, but it's so, so great. Um, what's his name? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. He had a couple peak. of years. Yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, with this. The animal was funny. Yeah. And then um, oh, was there something else? I can't he remember. Just in every Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, but he. I think he had a great few years. A good little run. Yeah. Good we time. loved him. Um. Next up, we have Lake Placid, Ooh. which Anthony, we brought up in our <laughs> shark movie because Anthony brought up crawl, so I brought up Lake Placid. So <laughs> instead of a shark, it's a giant alligator or a crocodile. Someone's gonna be like, it's an alligator. I can never tell them apart. Freshwater no, crocodile. No, it's the snout difference. One of them has a long, narrow snout, and one of them has a wider snout. Well, I don't know off the top I of my head. I think this is a alley. I think this is a crocodile. You think? Yeah, I think. I'm gonna bet ten bucks to crocodile. But for, because of this movie, I thought there were alligators and crocodiles. I know. I was terrified lake of I lakes. Swim. I was terrified. But this this movie's a lot of fun. The the crocodile is gigantic. <laughs> there's some great gore in this movie. Some great kills and deaths in this. Yeah, for when sure. it comes out like onto the shore. Yeah. Oh man, scary. In the CGI. A little questionable at times, but for the most part, it's pretty believable. It's a crocodile. Yes. In Maine. In Maine. In 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 F in Maine guy. F that, in Maine. There's a crocodile. Get some, in lob Maine. Get some lobster rolls, and then we get eaten <laughs> by a by a crocodile. Look at that croc. A giant crocodile. You think that croc's a Pats fan? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Next up, we have any given Sunday. Al Pacino in football. That's all you need. It might be the best football movie ever made. Because there not, not, haven't been that many good ones. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's up there. I mean, yeah, it's definitely up there. I love the replacements because it's Keanu, but like in terms of the football accuracy, it's like not, when they're pra in practice, I'm like, what is this movie? Yeah. But it, it, it's it's still a great movie. Al Pacino's perfect as the coach, just yelling at everyone. He's great. I love it. it who's, oh, I can't remember who the star of the football team is. Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Clearly, you host the movie podcast. This is a lot of movies on this list, okay? And then we have Bicentennial Man. This stars Robin Williams as an android, and it's great because this is one of those films that we love about sci-fi and, and AI where it's a humanoid android exploring the concept of humanity. Yeah, and Robin Williams gives a terrific performance like he always does, and I think that this is probably one of his least known movies. I think a lot of young people don't know that he was in this movie, possibly, but... I, I think this is a good movie for sure. Yeah, and Anthony watched this a bunch of times when he was young. <laughs> Every night. <laughs> Dude, I'm not, this is a new line. I only saw this movie like twice <laughs> in my life. We watched this a bunch when we were young. <laughs> no, no, what we watched was Flubber. Yeah, Flubber was dope. Yeah, yeah, a decent amount of times. <laughs> <laughs> We got, I'm gonna put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we watched this a bunch of times when we were young. <laughs> oh, Moving <man>. on. <laughs> Do you want to get to our other sponsors? Oh, yeah, let's move on to. <laughs> anyways, so 1999 saw <laughs> lots of fashion trends like tribal tattoos, body 
<laughs> get this out. Body piercings and business. <laughs> you can do it. Come on. <laughs> 1999 saw lots of fashion trends like tribal tattoos, body piercings, and business casual suits. <laughs> but I can, t I can tell you it's currently in vogue to be well-groomed for your significant other in 2021. So head on over to our sponsor, manscaped.com, and get the Lawnmower Groomer 4.0 trimmer using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost for 20% off and free shipping. And I'm crying. That was a, that was a good one. <laughs> this brand new groomer is waterproof, 7,000 RPM motor, wireless charger, built-in light. You can literally use it in the shower in the dark if you want. Go for it, fellas. Got to manscape their products. They're sensational. Their box briefs are super comfortable. Everyone listening, if you got a man in your life, you don't know what to get them for their birthday, for a gift, for anniversary, whatever, Christmas. Get them something from Manscaped, like their 4.0 package or the Lawnmower Groomer. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping because I swear this is stuff that guys will actually use. I also got to tell you about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Don't go on Amazon.com. I know it's free shipping, but the quality is garbage. You got to go to MoviePosters.com and use our special promo code Raiders15 off. Again, Raiders15 off to get 15% off your order. MoviePosters.com has a gigantic selection of movies, all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever you want. MoviePosters.com can handle it. Check out our set on YouTube. You'll see that our walls are decked out with these amazing posters. High quality stuff. Look at that thing. Look at that Jaws poster. It's beautiful. <laughs> Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use the coupon code RAIDERS15OFF to get 15% off your order today. That might be my best... Uh, ad that line. was my. That was the funniest one. I wrote that earlier in the kitchen. And I was just cracking <laughs> up to myself. But if you skip the ads, I wrote in 1999. There were lots of trends like tribal tattoos, body piercings, and business casual suits. And I couldn't business I casual could, suits. Couldn't man. get it out, man. There was the uh, the tribal tattoos because it's so it, true. It built it up. Oh my god! Tribal tattoos were huge in the late. Everyone 90s. had them. Like, and no one knew what they arms. meant or yeah. like lower back. You, we would go to the boardwalk at the beach and there would be like a bunch of tattoo parlors doing ta um, the those tattoos. The fake ones? No, the real, the real ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. But even kids would get the f the fake ones. You get yeah. Everyone would get like the tribal one barbed on like wire. the side of their arm. Yeah. Just like, yeah, like barbed wire on their arm. <laughs> like that's going to age well. <laughs> Feel bad for everyone who has those. All right, let's get back into, hey man, I don't. Okay. They, got, right. they probably love it. Anyways, <laughs> they're not listening. <laughs> Next up, we have End of Days. This starred Arnold Schwarzenegger as a cop who's fighting the devil. Lots of heaven and hell today. <laughs> yeah, right? It was, a, it was a hit. It was, it was real hot back then. This movie's cool. It's corny at times and whatever, and Arnold's acting is, you know, Arnold's acting. But it's a good time. He's yeah. just an action hero fighting Satan I think in New York City. A, I think he does a good enough job. This might be his best acting performance. Like, he's pretty good. No, I still say Mr. Freeze is his best acting performance. Uh, what about Kindergarten Cobb? He's pretty good no, in that. No, it's Mr. Freeze, I'm <laughs> telling you. It's Mr. Freeze. But this movie's a good time. We liked it. Um, our, I think I remember seeing this with our dad and being terrified of the devil. Gabriel Byrne plays him. Um, in the ending, the, the f finale is great. It's, I mean, if you love... Yeah, it's like a Constantine-esque movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. With, with, um, with Arnold as a lead. But he, I think he does a great job. It's cool. And then October Sky, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal. What's the character's name? I can't remember. Um, something with an H. Reginald. <laughs> it's not an H. <laughs> but it, it tells the story of this young boy who grows up in this coal mining town, true story, who um, watches the first satellite Sputnik go into space from Russia, and he's inspired to 
tried to become to become a rocket scientist and, and build rockets in his free time. And he but he has this overbearing father played by Chris Cooper, who is has a he's every, great at playing overbearing yeah, fathers. Every intention of making his son work in the coal mines because it's a coal mining town and to throw away his silly dreams of being a scientist. Yeah, and this is Jake's breakout role. And then he did Donnie Darko, but he's really great in this film. Um, I think that this movie is it true that it has inspired more NASA scientists and astronauts than any other movie? Probably something Absolutely. like that. Like when kids saw this movie, like oh, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. And it's a really great coming of age story. Jake's great. You can see how talented he was at such a young age. Um, it's just a good time, a great coming-of-age film. And then Existence. Oh, yeah. And this stars our boy um, Jude Law. And this is... And Jennifer Jason. You know, very similar, actually, to, like, Inception, kind of. Yeah, well, what happens is the Existence is this VR game, and you plug into it very similarly to Inception. So this movie was obviously inspired Inception. But much more organic. Yeah, so the, the device that you plug into is, it is organic, it's made of flesh, and you plug into it with um, your belly button, like an umbilical cord. And I it, have a belly button. And it puts you into this <laughs> VR that you can't tell <laughs> whether it's reality or the simulation. So it's a really great e VR simulation. Is this real, is this is this not real kind of movie? Yeah, we watched da this a bunch when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> made by David Cronenberg. <laughs> I, I didn't even know what it was when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, man, look what's up next. We got Payback with Mel Gibson. Just a great revenge thriller. Good time. Mel Gibson punching people in the face and murking dudes in this stuff movie. Stuff blowing up. It's just a great time. Yeah, it's exactly what you want from the kind of movie. Like, you go in like, all right, this is an revenge flick. Yeah. See some cool stuff. Let's go. Yeah. Next up, we have South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. And this, like, somehow propelled South Park to even more power in terms of the comedy world and animation and you know south park we've been watching since episode one with our brothers like they had that they've been exposing us to that show at a very young age it's all good <laughs> don't worry ma it's not that bad but um we turned out okay but south park it's one of the greatest cartoons of all time probably the best cartoon of all time and i love it so much we grew up on it and this movie was is epic and i, I read this m interview where parker and stone they were saying they've been trying for years every everything they make they've tried to get canceled from what they make. And with this movie, they were like, well, let's try to get canceled. But they never never get canceled. And this movie really pushes the envelope for comedy. And there's some stuff that hasn't aged well. But then there's some stuff that is still hysterical to this day. And I, I this movie, we loved it. It's so much fun. Uh, the musical numbers are awesome. Like, they have a really na great knack for writing musical numbers. Like, with um, whether it be the, uh, the Book of Mormon or all of their films have music except for um, Basketball. But great, great movie. And we have Heaven and Hell again with Satan. Exactly. I'm telling you, that was such a hot genre back then. It's crazy. So hot. <laughs> Next up, we have Man on the Mood, which stars Jim Carrey as the famous comedian. And uh, this is a really great film made by Milos Forman, who made One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm sorry, what was the comedian's name? It's Oh, um, I didn't write it down. Like Andy remember. something. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But he was uh, an SNL cast member and also became pretty sensational for a couple of years for his very weird, offbeat sense of humor and his style of humor. Um, but he was, many people consider him to be revolutionary in comedy. And Jim Carrey gives an amazing performance. He uh, did method acting for this. And he basically thought that he was this person for the entire uh, filming. And it became a strain on the filming. And with Milos Forman, it was difficult for him to work with Jim Carrey. But ultimately, I think it worked for the film. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's tough to deal with on set, especially a person like that. And, you know, it's the lead of the entire film, and he's pretty much almost in every single scene, so it's tough to do. But, I mean, we still love Jim to death. 
and I yeah sorry I can't remember the guy's name. Someone will correct us in YouTube yeah, or someone, something like yeah, that. Yeah, comment in the video, guys. Um, then we have Analyze This, which is, I think De Niro does comedy so well. And yeah. then he's with Billy Crystal, who's one of the greatest comedians of the 80s and 90s for sure. And I think just them two and every scene they're in together is just comedic gold, and it's so fun. And it's poking fun at the stigma of De Niro being like this mobster, gangster actor. So we have him as the mob mob king, but it's a comedy. And it's great. I, them two together is just comedic gold. And it's so good they made a sequel. Oh yeah, yeah. Analyze, analyze that. that. <clears throat> next, and, next up, we. I'm saying this one. Sorry, jeez, jump on the gun here. Next up, we have Ed TV, which stars Matthew McConaughey as a man who agrees to allow his life to become a reality show, and he's followed by cameramen everywhere. And this is, I think, obviously very similar to the Truman Show, which came out the year before. But this is a, like a different take where he knows he's being filmed and he's aware of it. And it, it seems it's fun at first for his character, but then it becomes kind of difficult to live your life if you're constantly being filmed. Yeah, it's a good movie. McConaughey's awesome as always. And then we have Notting Hill, which stars, um, uh, uh I just blanked on her name, <laughs> Julia Roberts <laughs> and Hugh Grant. And Julia plays basically herself a superstar celebrity actress who takes up a relationship with just a. a a humble bookstore owner, just a little bookstore, little, owner. little guy, just a little little he's, tiny bookstore. He's, tw- he's twelve inches tall. He owns a, <laughs> <laughs> he owns a bookstore, <laughs> and they fall in love. <laughs> we watched the time we were kids. <laughs> you just kill me. <laughs> twelve inches tall. <laughs> Based on a true story. Um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> And next up, we have Double Jeopardy starring Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. This, I love this movie. Yeah, this is a great thriller. This is just like one of those 90s thrillers where someone's falsely accused of a murder. In this case, it's Ashley Judd and, and um, Tommy Lee playing a great cop like he always does. It's a fun movie. It's corny at times, but yeah. it hits. It delivers yeah. everything It's like one want. of those Harrison Ford movies from the 90s. Exactly. It's yeah. the exact same vibe. It's, it's actually really good. <laughs> and then we have Inspector Gadget, which was based obviously off the cartoon that we loved when we were kids. And Matthew Broderick plays Inspector Gadget. It's a cool movie. I feel like they should redo Inspector Gadget, but maybe I don't think kids know what it is. You know, they don't know what he is, and he doesn't. He's not got no like modern tech, unless they give him modern tech. But then he would just be like, he'd be like Cyborg from Justice League. Yeah, he'd be Robocop. It would be a different thing. But he's like the kids' version of like the Million Dollar Man kind of. Yeah, like that's the newer a good version point. of it. Yeah, and we had remember they 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 were selling the toys and yeah. it was like all the stuff like extremities of like different kinds of tech. But Matthew Broderick was the lead, and it was it was a good time. Yeah. We had a fun. time. We loved Inspector Gadget. Yeah, for sure. It was one of the best kids shows for sure. Yeah. Next up, we have Galaxy Quest, which is a great comedy. Stars Sigourney Weaver and a bunch of great actors. Tim Allen. Tim Allen, fantastic cast. And it's a spoof of Star Trek. And what happens is these actors who act on a Star Trek-esque show, they are visited by aliens who think that they are actually like spaceship they they are actually space people. space people and ask them for help. So they teleport this cast of actors to help them in this intergalactic war. And it's really, really funny. It's I, a great, I love it. It's a great concept. It's fantastic. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. And then we have The Thomas Crown Affair, which is a remake of the original, which stars the great Steve McQueen. <laughs> Bullet. Awesome. The, the remake's pretty good. Yeah, this is Pierce Brosnan and R- Rene Russo. And Pierce Brosnan is a high-end art thief. And... Um, Rene Russo plays the person trying to foil him, but also a love interest. It's a good, like, espionage-esque, romantic, dramatic film. He's basically James Bond in it, but with yeah. an American accent. Original's better. Yeah. 
Next up, we have Pokemon the Movie 2000, Let's which go. was our childhood. We were obsessed with Pokemon, and they came out with this movie, and we were blown away, and I loved it. And the coolest thing is when you went to the theater to see it, they gave you a Pokemon card. Oh, yeah. It was like a special like, yeah, the Poke- movie one, the dragon Pokemon, but mm. it wasn't like a real Pokemon card, but it was like, you went to see the movie, here's your Pokemon card, which was genius marketing. The Pokemon movies were actually really good. Was this the one with the birds with Articuno and... In the the yeah, dragon in one. Moltres. Oh, yeah. the big white dragon one. Yeah. yeah. So this this movie was sick. We loved it. It was so good. It, this was the second movie, I think, in America for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And the first one was just called Pokemon the movie. But the three of them that we saw were awesome. Ash was awesome, yeah. Next up, we have Outside Providence Guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is made by the Farley Brothers, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're right. Yeah, and it's a great coming-of-age film about a kid who, who's from... Is he from Dorchester? Something like that. No, he's from Providence. Yeah, he's from Providence. Yeah, it's outside, yeah, Providence. outside Providence. But he goes to uh, a Catholic school. Then he's trying to fit in with in the other students and, you know, trying to figure life out. It's a nice little movie. I like it because it's about that, like, generational gap from, like, the parents of, like, the 50s and 60s and how the generation of, like, the late 60s and 70s were so different and culture was changing so quickly. And, like, Alec Baldwin plays the overbearing father in this one who's, like, stuck in his old ways and doesn't want his son to kind of explore new ways of life in the modern culture and has to, you know, like, even the scene where he's talking about what's that beard for? What do you need a beard for? So it's just, I think it's a great example of generational differences in, in Western culture. Great summary. Thanks. And then we have Idle Hands, which I, I like this movie. So this is about a high schooler whose hands start to just kill people and do whatever they want. It's and really he has good. no control over what happens with his hands. And it's, it's actually a really good, fun horror movie. It's like, and uh, Seth Green's in it too. The kid who stars Devin Sawa. Yeah, he looks just like Jeremy Renner. He was he was big. He was in this, and he was in Final Destination. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, yeah. but he, his career teetered and never really panned out. Yeah, it's too. I bad. wonder why. But I like this movie. It's fun. Yeah, we this is a good time because we were watching horror movies like we said when we were kids when we were supposed to, and this is definitely one of them. But it was a fun time. And I'm sorry, it's one hand. Yeah, just I was, pretty, I was ra- gonna say it's just, just one his hand. right hand. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. But I think the title threw you off. Unsubscribe. Have you ever seen this movie? <laughs> <laughs> we watched it a bunch when we were kids. <laughs> and the final movie on this list is Audition, which is one of the scariest horror films ever made. It's, it, it came from Japan. And it is wild. You've never seen anything like it. It's so messed up. It's so shocking. It's so surprising. We watched it together years ago for the first time because I was like, I was reading about this movie and I was like, everyone's like, people are saying this is like the craziest movie ever. And so we watched it together and it absolutely knocked her on her asses. This was, we watched like on Barton Street, right? Yeah, a long exactly. time ago. Yeah, you, you could ago. probably say that there wouldn't be those. What are the movies where the people are sewn together? The, the, Oh, it's Human Centipede. Those pro- that probably wouldn't exist without films like this. Yeah. You know, this, this was like, not as gory, though. But it, the concept up. is disturbing. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like, it's very weird, eerie, and terrifying concept. And yeah. we won't spoil it, obviously. But if you're into that kind of stuff, this is your cup of tea so for sure. Great horror film. Great horror film. All right. And that's the last film on our list of 1999, A what, Year in Film. What a list, man. It's insane. Like, what obviously, some of these are trash movies. But, but like, like we have Sleepy Hollow at number twenty-seven. Like, are you nuts. kidding me? It's crazy. I love it's that insane. movie. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how good this this year was. 
Man, what a list. This is I can't believe this all happened in one year. Yeah, so if you if you ever if you all like this kind of episode, let us know like on Instagram and on YouTube, leave a comment and we'll we'll do more. Like I'd love to do like ninety four, I'd love to do two thousand seventeen, two thousand fourteen. There's a ton of great years. And also other tiered episodes of like best twenty sci fi movies, stuff like that. If you guys want to see stuff like that, we can definitely pull it off. With less movies so we can talk more in depth. Because that's kind of what we used to do back in the day last year yeah but, we, would do, we would do like seven movies and talk about yeah. them but thanks so much for tuning into this episode of raiders of lost podcast become a patron at patreon.com slash raiders of lost podcast today get all those awesome perks thank you so much for tuning in around the world wherever you're listening and we'll talk to you soon take care raiders of the lost podcast is a mirror image production sound mixing done by jacob kosler opening music by chase jackson